What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. Um, I hope everything's all good. And we're enjoying being back in the gyms. I think this is my first update since being back in the gym. Last week, we had Victor Black on the podcast. Obviously, I've only really got time in the week for one podcast. Um, So it's quite difficult at the moment. I've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot on my plate. So we've managed to get away today. Um... We'll give you a little bit of a prep update, so we're six weeks out, just over, and I'm finally getting my first uh, refeed day today, so I've finally got a little bit more food. It's a rest day as well, so the, the food's going to go a little bit further today. Uh, I think it's important to refeed sometimes on your rest day, so you can actually absorb the food. Quite often, people do refeeds on the training days, and where you're super sensitive to the food, you just kind of you just rebound really, really quickly. Um, and you just use a lot of that energy, a lot of that, um, a lot of the carbohydrates that you might put in for your training day, you might use really, really quickly because you're so sensitive. So a rest day does work quite well. So I'm, I'm very, very happy to be fucking eating some food today. Haven't eaten yet though. So I'm still feeling rubbish. I'm still feeling pretty rubbish. Um, but I'm shredded. That's the main thing. Uh, we just drink this coffee. Um, so I thought we would just do a Q&A today. Uh, my brain power is not at maximum, so I couldn't I couldn't think of any topics to bring through. So I'm just going to go through um, some of these questions that I put on my Instagram. If you don't follow me, at Josh Bridgman. And we'll just delve into these, um, and we'll go as deep as we need to. Um, and yeah. First question, if you could change one decision you made growing up, what decision would it be? Uh, I probably wouldn't. I'm very much a live in the now type of person. I'm very much a what it will be will be and what is meant to be is meant to be. And, and part of mistakes, part of things that you learn when you grow up, part of who you are today. So I probably wouldn't change anything. I mean, if you force me to change something, I'd probably just say... I don't know, stick to playing football or something because you'd be earning a bit more money. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I think I am very much a, like I take it in my stride. People ask me, do you wish you should have done this? Do you wish... I kind of just wish nothing. I kind of just... I let life unfold as it is. Um, and I find that wishing or would have, should have, could have just doesn't play you any mental health favours. So I tend to just take every day as it comes. And that's... that's I kind of go with the wind every day. And that's... It's a bit iffy-wiffy, but that's kind of what I do. <laughs> um, any apps that you have that help track your bodybuilding? So let me pull up my phone. I use Happy Scale. Happy Scale is a weight tracking app, uh, as in body weight. It tracks your rate of loss per week. It tracks your moving average, and it's something that I've used since uh, 2018, maybe. I also use Rep Count, which is obviously counts your reps, counts your volume. That's my kind of workout tracker. Um, and that's it. That's literally it. There's only two apps that I use for bodybuilding. A lot of people use a notebook or a logbook. I personally just use RepCount. It's an app. I'm, I've, I'm quicker at typing on my phone than I am at writing in a book. I haven't written in a book since fucking 2012, maybe, 2013 at uni. Um, so I much prefer um, using RepCount, which is really good. Um, Skylar Gutierrez says, how do I go about a deload? How many reps should there be a change in intensity and weight? So personally... Personally, I just take five days off and I tend to give that to 90% of my clients just to say, take five to six days completely off. It's the quickest way to reduce fatigue. Like, 
if someone tells me what's the goal of a deload, the goal of a deload is to reduce your fatigue so you can get back in the gym. The quickest way and the most efficient way for you to do that is just to take time off the gym completely. A lot of people will go in for a week, maybe go at 50% intensity volume. For me, that gets a bit complicated. For me, where I'm so into training and every session is extremely taxing for me, I, I struggle mentally going into the session knowing that I have to hold back, but I also struggle knowing that I'm tired and fatigued and I've got to go in still. So I much prefer just taking five days completely off, and I'd recommend that for nine out of ten people, honestly. Um, unless you don't train to failure or if you train like a pussy, <laughs> um, then you could probably um, do the pullback on your volume a little bit. But personally, I just take the time off, you know, especially as bodybuilders who are in the game for a while and who lift a lot and who's, who's I mean, for me, it's my job, right? So for me to take five days off, it's, it's, it's glorious because I'm, it's, it's year round. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my general advice. Uh, do you ever wish you started roids earlier and do you think you'd be a pro if you had? So I don't wish I'd started them earlier. I'm very glad that I um, I started when I did. Very much like that first question, I'm, I'm content with where I am in my life. If I'd started taking them now, would I be a pro already? Probably, yeah, I would. Um, because obviously I would have this muscle mass a lot earlier in my career, but would I have started on the cycle that I'd used? Would I have made as much gains? Would I have done it as safely? Who knows, because it would have been, you know, you know, years back when I wouldn't make, might not have had the guidance available, um, and maybe I went with someone like JP, and maybe they pushed me harder, and there's too many things to say whether I would definitely be a pro or not, but I would back myself um, to have been a pro by now if I'd started maybe two or three three years earlier. Um, how do we approach training when, if or when sleep deprived? So it's going to depend how sleep deprived. If you are awfully sleep deprived to the point you've not slept, I'll just take the day off. I wouldn't train. If you are consistently sleep deprived because of a job, because of you're too busy, and you're going to manage it the best that you can. Maybe you've got to try getting naps in. Maybe you've got to try and look at assess why your sleep is off anyway. I think any billionaire anyone who is a CEO, anyone who is at the top of any game, any athlete, anyone who performs at a high level will tell you there is no time for sleep deprivation. You need to organize yourself better um, if it's consistent. If it's a one-off, I'll just take the day off. It's not a big deal. You know, one day out of of the week of just being sleep deprived and thinking this is not going to be a productive session, you've got to think when you're sleep deprived, your ability to train goes down, your in, your injury risk increases as your concentration slips. It's just like a whole host of issues of why you probably just shouldn't train if you're sleep deprived. That one off. If you're consistently sleep deprived, you need to address that first. Hey, crypto update, if possible, please. Any exit plans for XRP? Any new crypto interest? I'm going to keep the crypto and the finance talk a little bit minimum. Not everyone likes it. Um... So yeah, let me, should I pull up my, my, uh, my folder, me portfolio, uh, what is it, blockfolio, so at the moment I have holdings in um, XRP, which I'm probably just going to hold until it's like above $3, I'm not, I'm not too much of a day trader to be honest, I just kind of buy and hold. Um, I've got some in Bitcoin, Ethereum, both of those are holds, um, and then I have like I, I, I'm going to tell you the money. I put a grand uh, into like YOLO coins, and those are like coins which are. I basically have a thousand pounds. In fact, it was a thousand dollars, so it's like seven hundred pound. I put it into one coin, 
which was a new one. Um, and you know, sometimes the new coins can double in price and da, 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 da. it doubled in price. So I had 1400 quid. So I sold that and I've just used that 1400 pound to buy into another young coin. If that coin goes up a little bit, I'll sell it. And I'm just going to use that money there just to flip coins. The, the, the new ones, maybe up and coming ones, maybe ones that are going to go to the moon because I'm fine with losing that money. I know £1,400 sounds like a lot of money, but it was 700 to start and it was 700 that I had, not spare, but 700 I wanted to invest into some more riskier business. So generally speaking, um, that's what I'm going to do with that money. And then otherwise it's Ripple, Ethereum, Bitcoin, they're just holds. I'm just going to hold them. I don't really buy and sell too much. Um, I probably should have sold Ripple a couple of days ago when it was 300% up. Now it's 200% up, but I'm still 200% up, so I'm not, I'm not too worried at all. Um, how to mentally overcome lack of performance when training in a calorie deficit. So I'm definitely feeling that a little bit now. I've had a little bit of a poor week of training. I've still got my stuff done. I think I'm in a little bit of a more beneficial state in the fact that I, I use drugs. I use drugs. Um, I'm not going to lose strength as easily as some of you guys who are natural. Um, and I could obviously taper up my drugs to kind of counteract that a little bit. So my performance stays. But as long as you've got everything in your place to maximize your performance, your food, your nutrition, your hydration, your total volume, your sleep, all that type of stuff, and you're still feeling those downward spirals of performance, you have to know that it's accepted. It's it's fine. It's normal. It has to happen. In order for you to dig deep and to pull off body fat, you've got less body weight, less leverage, potentially less muscle if you're natural. It's inevitable. But you have to accept that as part of the process. You have to embrace that as part of the 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 deficit. The losing of energy, the increasing in fatigue, the lack in sex drive, the fluctuation in mood, the lack of training performance. All of those things were going to fluctuate during a cut and you have to accept it's part of it and just to do your best to mitigate them as much as possible. And and, and that's my best advice there. Um, do you ever struggle with a, with, with like a, <laughs> do you ever struggle with binge eating disorder after prep? Um, I don't suffer with binge eating disorder after prep, but I suffer with not putting, with stopping putting food in my mouth after prep. So I will really, really eat over my calorie, not loads. Like we got to remember guys, I'm um, hundred plus kilos, use drugs, like most likely like two, three weeks after my prep, I'm probably going to be on like three and a half, four thousand calories just because I'm, I've got a lot of muscle mass to support and my metabolism is pretty quick. So it's not like, it's it's a pretty decent amount of food to kind of go straight into. So the best that I can, I stick to it, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I can stick to it 100% after a competition. When you take away a goal, when you take away an immediate goal, a goal that's in front of you and you've been working for it for six months, six months every fucking day on the line, like as hard as you can. And then you either complete it, which feels great, or you miss it, which feels horrible, or it's over, or even like a bit of sweet, you kind of achieve what you want to achieve, but it's still over. Um, you, you definitely have that lull in mentality. And I really do struggle to stay on prep because the hunger hormones are so much. The, the hunger hormones are so high the hunger is so high where you've been starving yourself for six, half a year. So yeah, I definitely do suffer with overeating. I wouldn't call it binging because I can control myself, but I would definitely could call it like 
not being able to adhere to the plan, if that makes sense. Um, there's loads of questions on the Super League. Like, I don't pay attention to it. I don't watch football enough, so I'm not going to answer them. I'm really sorry. Um, the one thing you think you've given most value to people with? Um, I don't know. I think that's a really difficult question. I think I'd like to think that I bring some honesty and some clarity to the industry in the way that I kind of say how the fuck it is. If that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to sit here and and gas people up to say they look great. I'm not going to sit here and say that you don't look great if you do. I'm not I'm not going to cuss people out. I kind of just say it how it is and if I think if I think that people are lying, if I think there's a better way to do something, I'm just going to say it. So I kind of just say thing. I'm not a mean person, but I I will be open with what I talk about. So I think that the transparency that I have has helped a lot of people because I've kind of not had to tiptoe around bullshit and buy this because I'm sponsored by them and you know this is my new training program that's going to get you loads of gains I kind of just say like this is how you get results and you can now watch me get those results and you know a lot of people have seen me get those results over the last two to three years and now they kind of believe it so I would say that in one on one side I think the transparency but also the execution of what I've been doing and people just watching me do those things day in day out I think I think it helps people as well I don't know though if I was doing one cycle for now, would it be best on a bulk or cut? Uh, depends on how lean you are, to be honest. I think it massively depends on your goals. A long-term goal, short-term goal. So unfortunately, I can't answer that question for you. Peak of bulk and self-confidence down to talk to the ladies. Any tips? Um, I would say, if you're suffering with lack of confidence in an off-season because maybe you feel a little bit softer and you can't talk to girls as much, I think I think maybe you are I think maybe if the girl doesn't talk to you because of where you are in your off season and it's your goal, it's not the right girl for you. But if you can still get talking to a girl because it's not all based on looks, okay, yeah, okay, maybe initially it is. But I think if you can find a girl who completely understands the phase that you're in, you're gonna be in a much better place when you when you get to know that girl, rather than have a girl that's like, I want to be with you because you're lean and shredded. Like, that's just, it's superficial. So I would stop worrying so much about the visual and start worrying a little bit more about the internal and the mental connection and the emotional connection. It sounds proper cheesy, right? It does. But I promise you it's much, much better that way. So I'd, I would 100% um, recommend trying to dissociate yourself from worrying about what the girls look like. Because at the end of the day, they don't want you when you're bulking. They can't have you when you got a six pack and you're shredded. <laughs> Everyone talks about cycle design, but what's the optimal body composition prior to cycle? Generally speaking, the leaner the better, in my opinion. I think that I, when I first started, I wasn't lean enough. Um, I've always had better results visually, performance-wise, uh, muscle-wise, when I've been leaner, when I've been taking steroids. So I would recommend getting pretty lean before you start, for sure. Um, that's a hard question there. Would you run Masteron in the off season, both Primo available or or unavailable? That doesn't make sense. I would prefer Primo over Masteron most of the time. It's a little bit more expensive. It's probably double the price, maybe maybe twenty pound extra a vial, and you need more of it. But it seems to be a more well rounded, well tolerated drug, especially when you look at the research. If you can't afford it. 
if you want the similar effects of Primo Bolin, then Mastron is an option for you. And yes, I would use Mastron in an off-season and an on-season just because of the cycle design of it. I don't think you, there are off-season... Uh, there are. I think there are there are steroids that you'd be more likely to use in the off-season, but I do think that people get caught up on like uh, Decker in the off-season, Mastron in the on-season, when you can use both and it's all about the cycle design. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about using Mastron over Primo. I'd prefer Primo if you can. But if Primo's unavailable, then yeah, Mastron. Jazz Fitness. Um, is there a particular gap in the market you're trying to fill with one or more on your personal brand? That's a really good question. I appreciate you for answering it. I think... I think there is a market for an honest brand that brings very, very good equipment at very affordable prices because as I've been delving further and further into the logistics, into <laughs> the logistics is the perfect word, um, I, I notice that a lot of companies are ripping you the fuck off. And no offense to those companies. For example, and I'm just going to give you one example because I don't want to give you my whole business model. I look at things like cuffs. Let's use the cuffs, for example, right? The cuffs that I've seen on the market, the best ones I've seen on the market, are £25 per cuff. So you're paying £50 for two cuffs. It's a bit of material that's not very comfy. They're supposedly the best ones. And if you look at other ones in the, in, in, in the industry, they're hard, cardboardy ones, and they cost £25 for a pair, right? If you wanted a cheaper pair. I know how much they cost, right? M mine cost more because I've edited them a lot and I've got different material, they're wider, they've got reinforced everything. I'm telling you that the cuffs that are being sold for 25 quid, the, 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 the standard cuffs that you see, the ones that most people use for kickbacks and the ones that you just Google cuff, right? They are paying below $4 for them easily, which is £2.80 per pair. At, 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 at a minimum, because I know what I'm paying, which is more than that, but I've got seven customizations and I'm charging £20 and I'm still making a good profit and my product is way better. So these companies are greedy, maybe. Maybe they are just trying to fit into the market, but I think that I can bring more affordable and better products to the market. I also think that my brand image and my brand message is really, really strong because it resonates with not only bodybuilders, but everyone. Because it's about taking one more rep in life. It's about waking up and getting up and doing it again, whether that's in business, whether that's in in your own job, whether that's in your personal life, whether it's in a relationship. It's about progressing things one rep at a time. The rep is just the bodybuilding aspect of it, right? But the rep can be anything the rep is, is metaphorical and i think that the, the combination of the message behind the brand along with some good fucking products at good affordable prices i don't see how it doesn't just slot right into the market i really don't and you know maybe i'm missing something but you know these fucking guys are ripping you off i'm telling you i'm telling you <laughs> if you're listening to this any of those uh other companies and i've given away your secrets i'm sorry but just stop being so fucking greedy. Like, I'm te I'm telling you, I don't want to tell you like the profit margins because it's a little bit too personal. Maybe one day in a YouTube video, but I'm making a, 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 a like, I'm making over double my money, right? Uh, per per these items, most of them, not all of them, because you've got to 
price things fairly, but these guys are making three, four, five, six times their money on these shitty products, and it's just painful to watch and painful to see. And people don't know any better because it's the only place to go. But I'm going to be the place to go. I'm telling you, I'm going to be in every fucking gym. Every accessory you can imagine is going to be higher quality and cheaper, and it's going to be in every gym. One tomorrow's coming. Uh, which Instagram influencer would you fancy boxing if the money was right? Mm. I think that's a good question. You've got to think about things like height, weight, all that kind of thing. Um, who would be a good person to box? There's no one that I don't, that is no one that I really hate in the industry. There's no one that I really dislike in the industry anymore. I think because I've kind of just dissociated myself with that negative side of it. There's got to be someone that I'd box. Um, I was going to say... Nah. I was going to say Ross Dickerson, but I think he's sound. So... and he, Oh, plus he's a boxer. He'd knock me the fuck out. Um, yeah, that's a difficult one. That's a really, really difficult one. And I can't answer it. Sorry, because I've got the rest of the podcast to keep going rather than thinking. <laughs> Okay then, uh, could you discuss issues with friends and family not understanding and liking what you're doing and how to deal with explaining it to them? So you've got to do your due diligence in any facet of life, right? Your parents ask you, why do you want to do cross country? Why do you want to be a bodybuilder? Why do you want to go into IT management? You've got to do your due diligence to explain to them why you want to go into that field. You've got to do why you want to do this, how it makes you happy, why it makes you happy. Maybe where your future lies. Maybe give them a route to see where it goes. So for me, for example, my dad is a numbers guy. He's always been in cars, um, as in like a salesman or uh, a training manager for cars. He's always been around cars, right? So for him, that's a that's a that's a your average job, right? That, that, that doesn't really touch social media or anything like that. So as soon as he started hearing that I'm going into bodybuilding, he's like, what the fuck is that? Like, where are you getting your money from? Where is the business? Where's the numbers? And I actually didn't know any of the answers to those questions when I first started. So he was very, not resentful, but he was very standoffish about the idea because he didn't understand where it came from. And until the numbers came and until the job came and until I started getting a salary, it, it, he didn't understand it, but if I had known that route was there and that direction was there, I could have explained it to him earlier on and he would have fully understood and maybe helped me along the way. So I think that you've got to do your due diligence to explain the best that you possibly can that this is what's going to make you happy. And if they're going to push you back and say, I don't care, maybe it's time to cut that loose. And I appreciate that's not nice to hear if it's your parents, but if it's going to make you happy, You've got one life, it's not theirs, and you've got to kind of go ahead and do it. Do you believe in fate and everything happening for a reason? I really, 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 really don't know. I think... I don't necessarily think that everything happens for a reason. I think things just happen. And I think that our line of fate or our line of life, say there's A to B, I don't think that's a straight line. And I think that the decision you make today may affect tomorrow's line and, and, and 
the the drink that you have this morning may affect later on's line. And I think that the line is consistently changing, like a train track, right? You're going down a train track, you make a decision, you change track. And I think that's how life is. Whether or not the, the end destination is the same, I don't know. But I think that life changes daily, not on a direct path, if that makes sense. That's how I feel about it. I, th I think a lot of people will probably just think that that's fate. Like fate has you go in all these different directions and you end up in this this place at the end. Maybe, maybe it is. But for me, I think that every day is different and every day can lead to something different. Because I find that when I keep everything the exact same every single day, nothing changes. And when I do start to change things, things change. So I almost have control over it. But whether or not it's fate, I don't know. So that's how I feel about it. But it's quite a... It's quite, it's quite a hard question to ask. Um, do you use HCG when you're on cycle or only when you're on cruise and PCT? I don't use HCG in any phase whatsoever because it's irrelevant. I don't need to stimulate spermatogenesis. I don't need to keep my balls full. I don't need to keep them working because they're not going to be working when you're using exogenous hormone. So I literally don't worry about it. <laughs> I... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't worry about my fertility or bringing myself online or anything along those lines until I need to get someone pregnant. And I, I don't want kids in my life at this moment in time. I'm not paternal. I don't have that feeling whatsoever. So I, I, I don't really think about it. And when I do, and if I ever do want kids, I'm confident that I can stimulate spermatogenesis and I can stimulate... Uh, my FSH and my LH and I can get someone pregnant but for right now I don't I don't need to do any of that um, I mean potential long-term health implications of PEDS I mean that's a an age-old question heart disease kidney disease liver disease low cholesterol high cholesterol dying earlier <laughs> Performance enhancing drugs are not good for you, right? So be careful of that. This is the question I want. You win 50 million pound. What's your first purchase investment? Let's do a few of them. Fuck it. Right. First thing I do is pay off my mum's debt, pay off my dad's debt, buy them both a house so they're happy ever after and they never need to worry about anything. My dad has just retired or is retiring in a few weeks. My mum retires in July. Um, and I would love for them to be set up for the rest of life. That's the cheesy shit out of the way. Now for the cool shit. Um, I'd obviously buy myself a house and a car and whatever. Um, I would put 50 million, fuck. I would put 20 million of it, no. I would put 15 million of it into stocks, shares, ISA, dividends, so that I'm getting paid at least 50 grand a plus a month, which should be doable on 15 million. Then I've got 35 million to play with. Five, we'll, we'll take 5 million off and we'll say that's for the parents, right? 2.5 million each. That's, that's not that much really, is it? 2.5 million each. They're set for life. They don't need to worry. Then I've got 30 million. Um, I'm probably going to stop coaching. Sorry for everyone listening that's my client, but if I've got 50 million in the bank, I'll give you your money back. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll probably stop coaching. Um, I would 100% keep bodybuilding. I would be able to just be a bodybuilder. I'd build my own gym, um, and I'd be content forever. That'd probably be it. Is that pretty fucking boring? Invest fifteen million, give five million to my parents, 
and then with the other 30 million, put 1 million into a gym, spend 5 million on cars and, and, and my house. And then I got 20 million in the bank to play with whenever I need it. Oh, fucking hell. Be so nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> how, many, how many other people do this with their parents or friends? They're like, you know, if you won the Euro millions, 110 million, what would you do first? I do this. Me and my dad do this nearly every single week. Um, I'd love it. Um, it's Lloyd. What are the reasons for you bringing on an extra PT for your coaching? The benefits, the rationale. So for those of you guys that don't know, for those of you guys who have been following me, Ethan Harris is one of my new, um, is my new online coach. He, he is now under the brand JBF Brigade. He is going to be um, another another passage to be able to hit people really like so my two limiting factors were i can't coach everyone and my prices because of demand they're higher than than, than what some people can afford right you know we've got like i don't think they're high at all because when you talk about a pt lesson and what you're going to get out of what i'm going to get i'm you're going to get 10 times what you're going to get out of a pt from me so i think it's well worth the value but when some of your audience are students some of your audiences don't work Maybe some people, you know, aren't aren't can't financially uh, afford, you know, you know, a, a, whatever it's going to be per month. Um, on me, for example. So Ethan comes in and he offers not only more spaces, which 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 if I'm full, they can go to him, but off, he also offers a cheap cheaper price point at a very 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 high standard of coaching. I've been taking him under my wing for the last six to eight months. We talk about fucking coaching every single day. We do seminars together. We do everything together. So, I think that while people are going to go, oh, it's a cheaper product, therefore it's not going to be as good. It's going to be just as good for sure, like as, as my coaching. It's obviously not me, which is what a lot of people do come to me for for my coaching. But if he's under my brand, you know that he's fucking on it, right? But also as part of his coaching, you're going to get access to our Facebook group. You're also going to get access to me as well. We're going to do a Q and A or a live video every single month. We're not 100% sure on when it's gonna be yet, but so that way, every single client under our brand gets contact time with both of us, so you can kind of get to know both you know, both of us as, as, as the team, and and I think it's gonna hit a lot more people, and, and also it's gonna help with that with that finance aspect, so I think it'd be good. Um, yeah. How bodybuilding is probably the only sport where you feel the worst competing. Uh, do we wanna, Tell that to a triathlete or a, an Ironman runner or anyone doing some long distance. I bet that's pretty fucking hard as well, especially when you've got to train like 50 miles a day for it. Uh, but yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's like one of those ones like the more physically the more physically appealing you are, the worse you feel inside, <laughs> which is a funny one, which is a funny one. Um, do you follow a training program and do you think it's optimal to follow one? The feels when you ask me this question, uh, Ryan Bringen, uh, I hope you've not followed me for very long, but yes, I follow a training program. I talk about my training program probably like three times a week. Uh, I think it's very, very beneficial to follow a training program. I think that if you can have tangible goals that you want to achieve every single week, you're going to be in a very, very good position. For example, you know that you've got Incline Cyber Express every single Monday. You know that that needs to progress every single Monday. So yes, I would recommend a training program always. If you want one, you can go into my link in my bio, and I've got four training programs for sale at thirty nine ninety nine, and they're absolutely fantastic. Access to my full exercise library and more, and more. Um, 
right, last few questions. We're creeping on half an hour here, and I've got to go do my cardio. Um, people ask me about the Danks. I do not play games anymore. I do not have the the mental capacity to play games anymore, unfortunately. What would you say is the hardest part to get to get your business going? That's a good question. Now, for me, the hardest part was having people to invest into it because ultimately you can have the best you can have the best business in the world, but if you've got no one to buy it, it doesn't make a fucking difference, right? So you've got to build that audience. So that was the hardest part for me was building the audience. And I think the best thing that I ever did was not sell anything for a while. Uh, I didn't sell, I sold hoodies in 2018, maybe, when I had 25,000 subscribers. And I held off for another year to 2019. Um, when did I go to the Maldives? So 2020, so last year was the first year where I did a really big drop, where I actually said, okay, this is what I want to do. Before it was like, I'm just going to do merch and, and, you know, 50 people bought it here and there. Then 75 people bought it. But the best thing that I ever did was not cash in and not capitalize on, or not capitalize, that's the wrong word. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is, is build the fucking audience, like build the audience before you sell something because... If you sell something from the start, yes, you're going to get sold. But I don't know what it, it just feels like a sellout. I don't know what it is. This is why I never did a member site because I feel like once you start a member site, you have to invest a lot of time into that member site that it, you struggle to grow your social media. Now, I think of people, I mean, JP's an outlier because he's a monster, but I think about people like AJ, maybe like Tom, TM Cycles, like they've both got member sites. I think AJ's is gone now. And I don't know whether they would agree with this, but I wonder whether their social media has suffered because of it, because they've got to put exclusive videos. And this was my issue. Was like I wanted to talk about certain things publicly and openly. But in order for you to do a member site, you need to put something up behind a paywall. And in order to, in, in order for that paywall to be worth it, it has to be knowledge that is valuable, right? So maybe I talk about drugs, maybe I talk about training in more in depth and whatever. But I find that that takes away from what you can give out to the public for free. And the stuff that you give out to the public for free is what grows you as a social media influencer. So for me, that's why I never capitalized on something like a member site. Because you have to put a lot of effort into it. It has to be exclusive. There has to be something that isn't out there in the public for free. Um, and I kind of started my whole identity as being this person who is super open from the start about everything. So if I suddenly started like pulling things away... Um, from the from the from the from the public or whatever, and put it behind a paywall. I think it stifles your growth a little bit because those often those bits of information when I'm talking about drugs, you know, when I'm talking about whatever, those are the things that get clicked sometimes, and those are the things that grow you as a brand. So I'm extremely happy that I've made One Amara as a brand um, because the brand can really really grow alongside me versus having like something like a member site or whatever. So. I think that's why I, I'm glad that I didn't capitalize on merch or, or all this stuff a lot earlier. And instead, I waited till I had like 40,000 subscribers, 40,000 people on Instagram till I was like, right, this is a real fucking thing now. I've got hundreds of people commenting on my stuff. I've got thousands of people liking my stuff. Like, there's going to be maybe a couple hundred people that are going to buy some stuff. And then it's financially viable because it's all good spending 
1500 quid on you know however many hoodies and then you only sell half of them and you don't make your money back right but you know when you've got a consistent couple hundred people buying you know it's a couple hundred stuff that's going to go if you make that quality good then you can get your money back and reinvest it that's that's like i don't really i don't take i haven't made zero money off one mr at any point i've not taken any money out of it i've just bought sold reinvested bought sold reinvested and i've just built that up to whatever's in the bank at the moment and in fact there's fuck all in the bank at the moment because i've just spent it all on on the new on the new drop so that's 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 i think that was the best thing that i did was just hold off on capitalizing on it um and and, and yeah i think we're gonna end that there guys just a few questions here and there i'll see if i can i'm gonna see if i can put another episode in this week um in the week sorry i think maybe i can get a weekend one in um where we can do some more topics and some story time but my issue is, is that my weekends I've got to spend my not I've got to but I want to spend my girlfriend because she works so much in the week I work so much in the week we don't really get time together and the weekends often it but she does train on a Sunday when it's my rest day so I might when she trains try and get my cardio done before because normally I do my cardio when she trains and then we kind of finish at the same time but I might try and just shift my cardio forward and then do a podcast after so we've got two a week coming um, I've also been banned off YouTube you guys might know I got banned for a fucking CBD link in 2020. Apparently, it's a harmful and dangerous product, which is really, really painful. So I've been banned for a week, which means there's no videos this week, which means we're going to miss out on two videos. Um, so we might go three a week until competition from now on, which would be pretty cool, which I'll be excited to do, which I wanted to do anyway. And this is kind of giving me the excuse to do it. I have appealed it. Uh, they haven't responded to the appeal yet, so I'm hoping that they respond and it's fine. Hopefully they do it today and I can drop my video today like normal. Um, but odds are, um, I've never had a, an appeal overturned, so we'll see how we go. And the next one, which would be fun, if I do get banned, another community service, it will be a month that I can't post. And then after that, I lose my entire channel and I've already got two marks on there. My first mark was a complete and utter mistake. Um, I used some copyrighted music and then appealed it and they denied my appeal and I got a fucking strike for it. And this one is CBD. Like there've been two really, really, really awful strikes from YouTube. Uh, you know, especially when I talk about drugs, I talk about fucking steroids and, and they got me for CBD. <sighs> Extremely painful. But it is what it is, right? I, I don't mind. We keep rolling with the punches and doing what we need to do. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back very soon, everybody. Peace and love. Bye-bye.